0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check out the website, christ-life.org. Well, back to South Africa we are going. This great conference that Warren Litzman held there years ago was recorded, and we're able now to go through the archives and bring you great things like this. What a powerful conference it was, and we're so happy to get the emails and the text telling us how much you're enjoying it. We're enjoying bringing it to you. Let's go. Here's Warren.
1: There are three things. Look at number two here. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Now everybody will quit shouting. We love resurrection. But this is very important. Whether we ever do anything about it or not, I'm going to talk to you about a very important thing. When you learn that Christ lives in you by revelation, when the Holy Spirit reveals to you that Christ lives in you, you won't be able to exist with Him being who He is as a Savior, as a Redeemer, as a dying Lamb. You won't be able to function the same way you did before when it comes to suffering. In another place, Paul said, I'm going to fill up my body with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. This relationship he had with the Christ in him had gone so deeply that his thought must have been like this, I'm only here as who I am because Christ suffered. I'm only free of sin because... His suffering was my suffering. And I caused His suffering. Always remember that. Jesus didn't suffer because He got caught in trouble. He suffered because of our sins. He suffered for it. And Paul could not allow Christ to live in him. And he'd be ignorant of that. So he said, I want to know Him in the fellowship of his suffering. See, I've just scratched the surface on this business of Christian living. Now we're way down below the surface. We're into the grain. Because we've got a man who says, what I want is to not be a stranger to this suffering Savior that lives in me. That could mean a number of things. Like, I'm going to walk circumspect before God because He suffered the bearing of that sin on the cross. I'm going to be circumspect in my living. You know what makes a person stop sinning? A Christian, what will stop a Christian from sinning? It's a love affair with this Jesus in him. So Paul got to thinking, it was me in my sin that helped kill him on the cross, and he bore all the punishment of it. And here I'm walking around with this Christ Spirit in me now, Christ in me, he would say. He never said Christ Spirit but two or three places. He said it's Christ in me. Joined to His Spirit. He said, Here I am walking around with Christ in me. And he said, I can't ignore this factor. I can't ignore his suffering. I love him so much, I don't want to sin. I don't want to fail. I don't want to be lethargic. I've already given up my self-life. But I dig deep, Paul says. In my mind, I dig deep that if He suffered to save me, the least I can do is to have a fellowship with Him in that suffering. Got a lot of fellowships around the world, don't we? We do in the Christ life, got a lot of them. But I never heard of a fellowship of his suffering. Because nobody would understand that. That wouldn't be good promotion. But you see, I'm talking to you about a change of mind. I'm not talking to you about your sicknesses and your diseases and the accidental problems that you have in life. You see, I'm way past that. There was a day I would have said sickness and disease was of of the devil. But I'm past that. What I'm seeing now is our fellowship of suffering is an obedience, an honor to the Christ that lives in us, realizing that we're only who we are because of his suffering. So I'm past the point of blaming everything on the devil. Why did he ever say, I glory in my tribulations? You ever read that? It's in there. How in the world could he glory in his tribulations? Because he had entered into a fellowship of suffering. Not over the individual tribulation, but over the fact... As he says in another place, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. I can do it. No grumbling, no griping. I'm in fellowship with him. I want to bear in my body the marks of his suffering. still goes deeper because Paul had a message that nobody knew anything about and when he spoke it it upset all the intelligentsia this has no background this has no, no foundation this has never been thought before none of the prophets in the Old Testament ever said a word about it Jesus of Nazareth didn't preach this so he had a whole new gospel You know what happened to him? He suffered. He entered into a fellowship of suffering with Christ because he was bearing Christ as a message to a world that couldn't accept it, didn't want it, didn't like it. Not even the Pentecostal brethren liked it. Most of the apostles didn't like it. Now we're getting down to suffering. Will we live this message? Will we carry this message? My prayer in every meeting is that God raises up a voice. And a lot of them have been raised up, but they couldn't take the suffering. Because the worst thing you could do to me is to make my message about Jesus nothing. That would hurt me more than anything that could happen to me. People do that. I try to ignore it. But that's the worst thing you can do, is to make Christ nothing in my life. So the first thing that really dug deep in the Apostle Paul was this business of being in fellowship with Jesus in the suffering. At some point, a deepening love affair with Jesus is going to bring you to a place to where you'll enter into this fellowship. This love. The deeper love goes, the more it hurts. Always remember. It hurts. Because even the slightest details that interrupt love hurt. That's the way it is with humans. The way it ought to be with human beings. The slightest Breach in a love affair hurts. And our love affair with Christ can hurt more than anything if you ever give Him a mind. When it comes to suffering, how does Jesus look at it? Before the world was ever created, he accepted the challenge that, Father, if you need a sacrifice, I'll be that sacrifice. For over 4,000 years of Bible time, Christ waited to ever do this. This was the one big thing he could do in his love affair with the Father. This was the biggest thing. He knew this would be the one thing that would straighten out humanity. This would be the hope of those creatures that God would create. His death. And so he knew in God's mind that he, the Lamb, had already been killed in God's mind. Just waiting the time. I don't think time means a whole lot in heaven. But he must have watched men who followed God through the Old Testament. And he thought, boy, if I could give myself, that would sure straighten that fellow out. They're killing a bunch of animals down there. But the big thing is, I'm going to die for them. Think of that. And finally, when he died on the cross, his suffering was should he fail to do what he's supposed to do? Waited all that period of time through our Bible. Four fifths of the Bible, the Lamb was waiting to straighten out humanity. Four fifths of your Bible. Then when he hang on the cross, Father, not my will thine be done. I'm here to do what you want to be done. My life is to be given. I'll shed my blood once and for all to fit your plan. Why, the cross was a love affair. A touching love affair. And you know what I think? I think God had a hard time looking at it. Because that was the depth of love. The depth of the love didn't come out when He was healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead. The depth of love for God came out on that cross. That's where it was real, at the cross. only thing you wanted was to please the Father. It may be a little hard on you, but that's the same Jesus who lives in you. And so when Paul says, I want to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering, he's caught a glimpse of this thing that happened throughout past eternity, happened in the past world and happened on the cross. He he meshes all that together. And he says, there's no way I can exist without knowing this fellowship of suffering. And then there's another time that will be important. I don't know how you and I will work it out. We don't have much suffering today in our life and in our world, but we do have a suffering between us and this Christ that's in us. Otherwise, our outer life is pretty good. Somebody to take care of us, hospital to go to, pills to take, a lot of good things for our outer life. But we're going to all get to heaven one of these days. The very first thing said about going to heaven is that when we meet Jesus in the air, what do we see? King, Prince, Son? No, we'll see Him whom we have crucified by our sin. We'll see Him. We'll see the scars on His body. If He's wearing a bikini or something we'll see the thorn holes in his skull those will never be forgotten throughout eternity there'll never be a forgetting of that you can talk about our tears being washed away and you can talk about heaven being a happy place and we can sing songs that make it happy but you're never going to forget the Lamb because He's the light and the life of the city. But that Lamb is not just Jesus our Lord that lives in us. That's the One who died. That's the suffering Savior you'll never be free of. If your love affair doesn't encompass that now, If in your walk with God, you never enter into a fellowship of suffering where between you and Him, you give up and He becomes all. That's the suffering. Because it isn't easy for you to become nothing for Him to become all. It isn't easy for you to lose everything that makes you who you are. I have lost all things Paul said for the excellency of this knowledge. That isn't easy. But that's where life is. Life is connected to that idea. The life of Christ is connected to that idea. I've had a few occasions in my life where it looked like I couldn't make it. And something inside of me said, sure we can, go ahead. Sure we can. It wasn't in me, but it was in Him. And I went ahead, and sure enough, I got in a a lot of pain, a lot of trouble, but I had victory. I had absolute victory because it was Christ alive in me. That's the fellowship of his suffering. I don't know whether you want to know the next point or not. It goes even deeper. He said, "I want to know him." and be made conformable to his death. Oh, it was all right to talk about suffering, but now we're down to death. And being made conformable unto his death. What is that? That's something very personal with Paul. Because when he wrote Philippians, he was already in the jailhouse once. He already knew, written on the wall, was they're going to kill me. He knew that. He was ready to die. But he didn't want death to be a death that come because somebody didn't like him and they killed him. He didn't want to have a wasted life that I finally got caught by all my enemies and they chopped my head off. No, sir. He said, I want to be made conformable to his death. I want to be made conformable to His death in that I have done to the limit what I was called to do. That's why His little last words are so important. I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith. Why would He say that? Because to His very death, He wanted to be conformable to the death of Christ. What the world didn't know in that day was it don't matter what you do to Paul. You think you're going to get back at Paul? And remember, many of the people that had a hand in his death had been friends of his. The strongest political vote behind it was the first Pentecostal church in Jerusalem. They wanted to get rid of him, Brother James, half-brother of Jesus. Oh, there's a real situation there. He knew all of this. But he's not going to let Caesar's chopping block take the victory. He's not going to end life because a bunch of religious people caught me because they didn't like me or didn't like my message. No, sir. He said, when I die, I want to be conformable to His death, doing what God wants me to do. You may make that commitment several times in your life, but sometimes it's going to stick if you mean it. Because the only way we're going to get the gospel out to the rest of this world is with people who are conformable. Unto his death. What kind of sacrifice would you make to get the gospel out? For most of you, that's what God's going to ask you to do. But what kind of sacrifice would you make to do that? There's some of you young people here that God's going to call to do that. Thank God for you. Some of you are going to go the whole limit. But if you know Christ is in you, and that keeps rising up in you, and the thought keeps coming to you, He died to save me, then I want to know Him as conformable to His death. I want to be conformed to His kind of death. That's what I want. Well, that's as deep as you can go. That's what God's love is all about. What is God's love all about? John three sixteen, a matchless verse says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. What is His love all about? He'll take His most priceless possession and let it be killed to get you. That's a strange thing in God. As I told you before, the most deepened verse I know in the Bible is John 12 and 24 where Jesus said, Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's God. How does God work? He works out of death. He doesn't work out of life. He works out of death. Because it's death in God's plan that brings forth life. Dude said to me one time, why in the world would that be? That doesn't sound right. It, it sounds right to me because the devil operates the opposite. He takes what is alive and destroys it. God takes what is dead and brings it to life. See, there's a sound judgment behind that if, if I know anything. Being made conformable unto his death. How much would you change your mind for the Christ that lives in you? I don't carry the gospel because people need it. They do need it. But I carry the gospel because he that lives in me overwhelms me. With His Word, His truth, this book. I can't help it. I can't help it. That's what it's going to take in Africa to get the gospel out. Some people are going to have to come to that mindset. It's going to take all my life. It may take me. But what else can I give to Him? You see, I don't give my life to the people. I don't give my life to their sin. I don't give my life to their need. I give my life to this life that's in me. See? I do it because Christ lives in me. I keep going because He never stopped going. It's in Him to not stop. It's in Him to not be defeated. It's Him, them, in Him not to give up. It's in Him not to have a life of ease. No vacation for Him. No retirement for Him. It's another life. It's what it's going to take for people to know Jesus. When somebody starts living the Christ that's in him, the world will know where Jesus is. You understand that? The world doesn't know anything about Jesus. Politicians and writers and all are arguing over Jesus Christ these days. That's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is in you and I. That's where He is. He's in you and I. Try to understand that. It's wherever you are, that's where Jesus is. Where you are, I told you before, I'll tell you again, because it fits right here. A young man came to me and he said, I work in an ungodly place. I work in a factory where there's not a single Christian. They're all lying and stealing and doing this in the job. And he said, I want you to pray with me. God will give me another job. Well, I said, I don't believe I'll do that for you. Let me ask you a question. What if you were removed from all those ungodly people? Would there ever be a Jesus that they could see and hear and know about? If you're wanting me to pray that God will remove you from that hard spot, I won't do it. Because that's where Jesus belongs, that's where he belongs woman said to me not long ago out in California, she said, I'm a nurse, but she said, I'm going to change my position. She said, I just can't stand all these sick, hurting people anymore. Well, I said, be sure you're led to God. And she didn't understand that. So he said, explain it. I said, all those sick, suffering people need Jesus. Or you want me to pray that you'll get another job where Jesus is not needed? See, we don't really have a concept of who we are. We don't know who we are. We think we're Methodists and Baptists and and we we have a big fine church. We're all millionaires there. We're all somebody. We're gonna we're gonna live life. Bless your heart. That's not Christianity. Christianity is that Jesus is in these hard places. Jesus is where death is. Jesus is where they suffer and hurt. I'm honest with you. You may not fit in anywhere that way. But you've got to know the message. You've got to know what's behind this book. You've got to know what God says to people who have Christ in them. And Paul is the first one, so we need to listen to him. How many people around you don't know Jesus. What's needed to reach them? What is needed? What do they need? Not not you really, but they need Christ as you. They need you to boldly stand there as if you spoke for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through your human vessel. Let it come out like you are. But that's what they need. Well, we have a concept now of law. Oh, I could never do that. I'm not holy enough to do that. You're misconceiving everything. You're not holy enough at your best for Christ to live in you. What makes us think that we are good enough for Christ to come and be our life? He didn't come to upset your little life. Your little life wasn't worth a nickel. So God said, if I'm going to save them, I'm going to put the life in them that matters to me. Because they're my offspring, they're my kids, they're my children. I'm going to be a good daddy to them. They're going to be my nature. In action. So, dear friend, when do we start doing that? Well, a lot of us get bogged down. We get bogged down by families, we get bogged down in our work, and we get bogged down in religion. And that's the worst thing. I'm afraid that religion's the last place they want to see Jesus in you. Are you aware of that? So he'll be far more popular on the job, in the schoolhouse, in the neighborhood, at the family gatherings. Jesus will be far more popular there than he is in religion. You don't like that, do you? You can sit in a religious environment for 50 years and never hear a sermon on Christ living in humans. Well, I've reached the end of a time again. It's time to have tea. I'm not critical of that. I think it's wonderful you do that, that you have these bricks every once in a while. We're too busy in America to
0: do that. Well, we're going to stop right here. We'll pick up next time where we left off today. We hope you're enjoying all of this. We know that uh, it's an honor to bring it to you in these great, wonderful teachings of Warren Litzman. Now, let me invite you to go to the website, christ-life.org. Look around, read all about the In Christ message, and if you will, click that fellowship page up at the top of the home page of the website. It's great, and it will show you how you can start your very own in-home fellowship. It's got all the tools you need. They're absolutely free for you, and when you do this, it helps us to realize the drive and the vision that Warren had about letting the whole world hear this great in-Christ message. With each fellowship, more and more people hear about it. So go there, christ-life.org, click on the fellowship tag right at the top of the page. Robbie Litzman, thank you for allowing us to go to the archives each week and bring out these great messages. Valerie Hill, thank you for the Twitter account that you do for us each week. Tammy Laycock, thank you so much for the weekly podcast reports. And Teresa Ferraro, thank you for being such a great producer from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.